The Syracuse Sports Podcast is presented by the Bill Rapp Superstore. Hey, they're celebrating the season with slam dunk deals on Subarus, Buicks, GMCs. They've got live market pricing on pre-owned vehicles. I have no idea what that means, but I know the Raps do, so get in there and ask them about it. It's an all-star shopping experience. Credit approved, value on your trade. Hey, do this. Calculate your payments online before you go see Brian or Bruce or any of the great crew at the Bill Rapp Superstore. Do that at BillRapp.com, where you always get a great deal. And it's always the smart choice. Few things to address on the Syracuse Sports Podcast this week. We're going to talk with Syracuse Crunch head coach Ben Grew as the Crunch get ready to go back into the Calder Cup playoffs. What will it take for the Crunch to get over that hump and get two more wins to win the Calder Cup? The Crunch made the Calder Cup finals a year ago but came up two wins short. This Crunch team actually had a better regular season, the third 100-point season in franchise history. Will that result in the two more wins they're looking for to win the Calder Cup. We're also going to talk some Syracuse Chiefs baseball today, but more a broad topic on baseball and why it starts so darn early, especially especially with the lack of spring we've had here in central New York. But we start with this. An important date is coming. Now, as I record this, Tyus Battle still has not made his decision on whether or not he's going to return to campus and play for Syracuse or try his bid in the pros. Last mock draft we looked at, and it's just one, but a noteworthy one, on ESPN. Has Tyus going 29th to the Brooklyn Nets? It's a nice gig. It's a first-round pick, but probably not what Tyus is looking for. Now, Tyus has had some pretty cryptic messages on social media the past few days, including bringing back one about proving people wrong. That would seem to indicate he wants to try his bit at the pros and prove some people wrong that think he should come back. We'll see how that pans out, and Tyus has until April 22nd to make his decision. But there's a more important date coming that college basketball fans should pay close attention to. That date is April 25th. That's when the Independent Commission on College Basketball will present its recommendations in Indianapolis to fix the problems that face college basketball. Indianapolis is the headquarters of the NCAA, who day by day loses more respect in the way that it oversees college basketball. As a matter of fact, it was Mark Emmert the president of the NCAA, that brought this independent commission together. The commission is led by Condoleezza Rice, the former secretary of state, and someone who was brought in to help fix college football. Now, the college football playoff committee is not perfect, but it's certainly better than the archaic BCS that preceded it. There is no silver bullet that's going to fix college basketball, but there is something that Rice and her commission can do if they truly want to bring about change, and that is to eliminate the facade That is amateurism. As Dan Wetzel writes on Yahoo Sports, Rice has to know that there are no rules or regulations that can stop the wheels of capitalism. The free market will win in America, even if it must go underground. If Rice and her committee are serious about being more than just an NCAA smoke and mirror show, then it needs to deregulate. Athletes need to control their name and likeness for endorsements or sponsorships, big and small. It's been happening that way forever in the dark. Might as well just bring it to the light. Dan is dead on here. When you have shoe companies, for example, Adidas is about to make a deal with Kansas, a 12-year, $191 million deal. The schools report to the shoe companies and not the other way around. But the players don't see a dime of that. The smartest path that Rice and her commission could take is to eliminate amateurism, just as the International Olympic Committee did in the 1980s. It doesn't solve all your problems, but it can solve a lot of them. And it comes down to this. Colleges shouldn't pay players. 
But that rule change allowed players to be paid. So Condoleezza Rice and her commission has a choice. These backroom deals in hotel rooms that lead to wiretaps and a controversy a week, it seems, in college basketball can continue. Or she can allow college athletes, in this case college basketball players, to do what they should have been able to do for a long time, and that's profit off their likeness. We'll see if real change comes about. So as Syracuse fans await whether Tyus Battle is going to pursue a professional career or return to Syracuse, keep April 25th in mind. That's when real change could happen in college basketball. Now my conversation with Syracuse Crunch head coach Ben Grew. Ben, I know that last year's team was completely different than this year's team. It's, It's amazing to see the contrast between last year and this year. That being said, what are some of the lessons you take from last year's playoff run that maybe you can apply as you start another one here? Well, it's a good question, and I, I believe that when you go that far in the playoff, there's always lesson to, to learn, and one of the lessons we have learned is we should have teach a little bit more uh, this and that and in this aspect of the game and more individually, spend more time in this area of the game, and... Uh, Obviously, you're still happy with your game, but when you get so close, you're like, what can we do? What can we do better next year to get better and all that? So I think we, we did that this year, knowing that we would have a young younger team. I think we spent a lot of time individually at working with those guys, whether it's technically or tactically or on their skating or on their uh, puck skills and all of that. So we spent a lot of time this year uh, doing that. I think uh, it, it's a work in progress. They get better, but they still have room for improvement. But it's one area that we we have learned from last year. But when I look at last year and this year, they, they both, both teams have their own identity. But what I like about those teams, and we have many guys from last year still, what I like about those, those two teams, it's they want to do things right. Like, they know what's necessary to win, and they did it consistently this year, and I don't expect any different tomorrow. You had a 100-point regular season here, which doesn't matter now, right, because yeah, we're yeah. turning the page to the postseason. Yeah. That being said, you know, you kept coming back to the consistency of this team yeah, yeah. in the regular season. What do you attribute that consistency to? Well, I, I think their, uh, their work ethic, their habits, uh, since they won, like, we're working on, on those habits uh, every day. And... I believe with that that young team, younger team, uh, I believe it took them a, a little while before they, they adjust to the way we were doing things, the league, playing against man, the pressure of being a pro, they're a new environment and all that. But once they got going, uh, I think they embraced the challenge. They, they, they wanted to win. They wanted to get better. And, you know, like me, it's all about confidence. And when you start winning games you feel that you're not going to lose anymore. And when you start losing, you feel that you're not going to win anymore. <laughs> so I think we, we got in that mode and we we knew that, okay, this is our way to play. And if we bring this game day in and day out, we're going to be successful. And I, I thought we were uh, very successful at bringing that effort day in and day out. And I also think that our goalies were a big part of our success. Like the last two months, like our team's been depleted a little bit, but one thing was very consistent for us, the way that Eddie Pasquale and the way Connor Ingram played. Like they were both great, 
and I think they were a big part of our success. Now, they say if you have two goalies, you have none. That's not the yeah, case yeah, for you. You've yeah. got two very good goalies here, yeah. but you can only play one. Yeah. And for game one against Rochester, you're going to go with uh, Eddie Pasquale. Why yeah. did you uh, choose Eddie for the start there? Well, it, it's more like for us, we've been debating that for three weeks. Every morning I come to the office and I ask the coaches, tomorrow we start playoff, who's in net? And one day it's Eddie, the next day it's Connor. Like, I don't know, coach, what we're going to do. I said, yeah, but we will have to answer that question soon. And one day I remember they told me, we don't care. Like, we know, like, we know we have, our goalies have been pretty good. And we know that they have the confidence of their teammates in the room. So who's playing tomorrow? Who's playing tomorrow? Who's playing tomorrow? And the, we came up with Eddie because he's got, He's the older guy. He's got more experience. He went through that. He's a Calder Cup champion last year. He was a great, great model for Connor this year. When Eddie came in, I think he took Connor work ethic. He took uh, him and Connor's relationship is great. I think Connor sees him as a model, and they have a healthy competition between the two. And I think that that's made them a very, very good duo. So for us, that, that's basically what influenced our decision. Like his experience, winning the, the, the Calder Cup last year, knowing what to do, but, and, and the players know that. We won't hesitate to, we might have a rotation of one, 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 one. We might have one, th three, one. We don't know, we're going one game at a time. But one thing, there's two things. I don't like to have one of my top player on the bench every game. And we believe in both of our goalies. Ben, you mentioned you have such a young team. So when you look at the stats, they don't always tell the story. But one thing that jumped out at me, and I wanted to get a coach's perspective. Yeah. You go up and down that line, yeah. and there's a lot more assists than goals. It yeah. takes until Volkov on the list to get yeah. somebody who's got more goals than yeah. assists. And it's a wide gap. We're talking like 14 goals, 37 assists, you yeah. know, something like that, up and down the line. Yeah. That's got to make a coach happy. Yeah, you know what? We're, we're a young team. But like I told them, we've played 76 games, plus training camp. We're not rookies anymore. We're a good hockey club. We, we have proved that. And I think uh, offensively, other than Matthew Joseph, you got to go down the list. And I think we, we have Matthew in the top 20. And then our next goal scorer is in the top 60, something like that. So. I think that's been a, a team effort. I, I think we, we score by committee. It's never one guy one night. We don't rely on one guy only. I think we rely. They know it's a team effort. Power play has got to contribute. Uh, we had goals on the PK. We had goals from our fourth line. So for us, it's a team effort. Everything is based on the team. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why. We try to give ice time to everybody. We try to give opportunity to everybody. And we feel that's that's probably explain why we have those stats. There's a lot of ingredients that kind of go in the soup yeah. here that makes a successful oh, yeah. postseason run. Yeah. I want to focus on on one though. In How Quebec, you, we said the salad. The, the salad. Okay, either way. So I don't know if this would be the croutons or the tomatoes. I'm not sure. But where would you put your special teams right now? How do you feel about the PK and the power play? Well, you know what? We've been investing a lot the last uh, month and a half on our specialty team, and. I really like the way we are right now. Like I feel that we never been 
in sync like that i feel everybody know their job i feel that on a power play our pucks moving like puck movement is much better the only thing we we don't have it's we don't know who's going to be in the lineup yet because we have guys that are still day to day so that that's a little bit tough because it's we we don't know exactly but other than that we know the importance of our specialty team uh, in the playoff and our goal is to have everybody on the same page and have a solid pk and a solid power play and you you gotta if you don't win with specialty team you can't lose with specialty team so that's my philosophy we we can't lose with specialty team we gotta be getting the job done you mentioned uh, some of the players that are day-to-day, and, and you get a little bit of reinforcement from juniors here, but a big yeah. difference last year was Tampa did not make the postseason, yeah. so a number of players came down. That's, you know, thankfully not the case this year in a sense because Tampa's still in the postseason. So yeah. you have a group that, for the most part, is, has really been together and really knows each other a yeah. lot. Yes, but, and that's, that's last two months. Like, the day we lost Cirelli and Adam Ernie to Tampa Bay, and the day we lost Michael Borneval for the season with his injury, obviously you lose one line and you lose a lot of offense. Those guys like Cyrilly, when we lost him to Tampa, he was top scorer of our team. Adam Ernie was playing his best hockey. Michael Borneval is, is a second liner that brings a lot, a lot to our hockey club. So when we lost those three guys, it's a big hole to fill. But then that's an opportunity for other guys to step up, have more ice time. And this is where the Archambault came into play. He was a good player for us. I think Kevin Lynch uh, took on a bigger role uh, on the team. Like, he's an important player, but I think it, it, it took a, a bigger role, like, not offensively, but his game go, went to another level. I think it's an opportunity for other guys, younger guys, to, to play a bigger role. We've been together, and I like the fact that I like the fact that mentally and physically, right now, we're at the right place. You had a lot of success against Rochester this season, which again means exactly Doesn't nothing. Doesn't count anymore. Yeah, exactly. It means nothing right yeah. now. But that being said, when you look at this Amherst team and how you, you scouted them, the way they're playing now going into the postseason will be the keys to, to hold them back and be successful. We know they have depth through their lineup. They have a lot of experience. They're an older team. They have a great goalie. They have a great, great specialty team. And it's for us, when you look at the team, you can look at the other team and evaluate them and have an opinion on them. But I believe that the most important thing for us is to play our game. Like, we got to go out there tomorrow and be ourselves. That was my message to our team. We got to be ourselves. Like, it's game 77. I know it's playoff, but it's game 77. We know what's necessary to our success. It's for us tomorrow to come here excited, be ourself, and when this is over, we have no regrets. Ben Grew, thanks for joining us here on the Syracuse Sports Podcast. Anytime. Thanks again to Coach Grew for joining us, and best of luck to the Crunch in the postseason. There's nothing like playoff hockey. As the Crunch look to wrap up their season with a championship, the Syracuse Chiefs are just underway. Did you happen to notice that four Syracuse Chiefs pitchers combined to throw a no-hitter the other day? Thankfully, busloads of students were there to see it. Otherwise, it would have been a no-hitter witnessed by few. When you scroll through the early photo galleries of Syracuse Chiefs baseball, to no fault of their own, you see something very common. A lot of blue seats. Empty. 
at NBT Bank Stadium. And it's not just here in Syracuse. It's in Rochester and Buffalo and Major League Baseball markets like New York and Boston. I've always wondered why baseball insists on starting so early. Could this be me overreacting to the lack of spring we've had here in central New York? Temperature-wise, it's been one of the coldest springs since Gerald Ford was president. Perhaps. But I find myself asking this question year after year. Now, professional baseball teams certainly get their money from television deals. But that television deal shows a lot of empty stadiums in April. Why is it that baseball insists on starting the season when they know they're going to lose a number of games due to unpredictable April weather? Let's say they started the season now, in mid-April as opposed to early April. It would certainly be tough to get the Players Association to concede making a little less money if that were the case. But if you shave 20 games off the season and start it when it should, a simple thing happens. People will want to go to games. When you think of baseball fans huddling in the stands under blankets and wool caps, you want that to be a vision of your team in the playoffs in October. But why should they have to deal with foul April weather in games that don't mean much early in the season? As the Chiefs showed us the other day, you never know what will happen when you show up to the ballpark. But maybe those kids shouldn't have had to be there in football weather to see a great baseball game. That's the Syracuse Sports Podcast for this week. Thanks for listening. You can subscribe on iTunes and Google Play and receive new episodes automatically delivered to your smart device. I'm Brent Axe. We'll talk to you next time.